CompC is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 29 million cards, from baseball superstars like Aaron Judge to Marvel favorites like Spider-Man. CompC has something for every type of collector. Visit CompC.com today to build your collection with your favorite cards. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. Last weekend, I had a chance to head up to the suburbs of Chicago for the fall non-sports show. And it was a lot of fun. I took the day off work. I drove up, and I had a chance to shop around. There's probably about 15 or 16 dealers that set up and probably 40-ish tables, I would say, of non-sports inventory. And that includes entertainment products, garbage pail kids, wacky packages. There's vintage. There's modern. A little bit of wrestling. Some of the folks consider wrestling non-sports, and so there's a little bit of wrestling up there, too. And I just got to spend the afternoon looking for some things that I've been wanting from a non-sports perspective. There's one takeaway, though, that I thought I would share. And it is an approach that I use to negotiate for a couple of the cards that I wanted. Now, some of you long-term show attendees, maybe even show dealers, you might have used this strategy or this technique in the past. But for those of you that may not have, or if it's not something you've thought about, I thought this could be some helpful information, a a way to add value to you as a listener. And I'm going to call it the add-on technique when it comes to negotiating. And so one of the dealers had two Stranger Things autographs, one of David Harbour and one of Gaten Matt. Matazaro, Matarazzo, I don't know exactly how to, to pronounce his name. Maybe that makes me not so great of a fan, but Dustin from Stranger Things. And those are both two of the more expensive autographs. And so they were asking $675 for those two autos. I offered $500. And the gentleman countered it, said, How about $525? I said, okay, this might be an opportunity to add on a couple other items that I was interested in on his table. He had another Jonathan Byers uh, relic card from Stranger Things for $15. And I said, well, if I pay $525 for the two autographs, will you throw in the uh, relic card for $10 instead of $15? And he said, yeah, I can do that. And I said, and if I buy all of that, how about throwing in these value sets that you've got at the end of the table. And so he had a lot of base sets at the end of the table, a, a big box of them that he was asking two fifty dollars uh, piece for. I said, if I buy all those, will, will you sell me all of those value sets for a dollar a piece? And that was something that, you know, he kind of wanted to get rid of anyway. He called them blowout sets. And he said, yeah, we could probably do that. So then I was able to bundle these the two big cards with some of the smaller items and get a great price, those value sets for a dollar. I figured now that Sport Lots is, has non-sports available to them, I'm going to be basically buying these cards for between one and two cents a piece at a dollar a set. I'm going to be able to sell them for 20 cents or 25 cents a piece on Sport Lots, so that's great. Some of them, there were multiples I can take into the shop and put out and try to get 3 to $5 a piece for. 
And I said, yeah, this is a way to maybe make back some of the, the money that I'm spending on these autographs for my own collection, keep that self-sustaining hobby going just like I like to do, and it's already paying off. I took about 30-something of those sets. There's like 70 total, I think. I took about half of them into the shop yesterday or this last weekend, and I already made a deal where actually I traded um, about 20 of them for a working Atari 2600 with about 10 games. And so I'm going to be able to relive my childhood playing Atari by trading off at full trade value some of these bargain sets that I got for a dollar. I still got a bunch to list on Sport Lots. It's a win-win for everybody. He, The dealer got rid of a bunch of, of low-end inventory that he was just taking up space for him, and he made a couple big sales with those autographs. It was a win-win for everybody. It was a good negotiating strategy where I was able to to get a great price for the full bundle of stuff. And so I just thought I would share a little bit about that negotiating tactic because it's something that you might be able to use as you go to your um, local shop or you go to a local show or something like that. Let me know if you try it and if it works for you. Our interview guest today is Ryan Cracknell from Beckett Media. He is coming back to have a conversation about how things have been going. He was first on the show back in 2020, so it's been a couple years. And I wanted to bring him back on to talk both about how things have been going for him from an industry perspective, his day job working at Beckett, as well as what he's been up to from his personal collection perspective. We'll get right into that interview after I tell you about Underdog Collectibles, the online shop run by collectors, for collectors that breaks new product almost seven days a week now across Facebook, YouTube, and Loop. You can see what they're going to be breaking this week by visiting them at udogcollect.com. You can also visit them at their brick-and-mortar shop in Knoxville, Tennessee to see their full selection of wax, single supplies, and even watch some of those breaks live and in the shop. And if you want to submit some cards to SGC, they are an approved group submitter. You can learn more about that process at udogcollect.com. When you check them out, make sure you tell them that Wax Pack Hero sent you. Well, today I am excited, and that's because I get to welcome Ryan Cracknell back to the show after a couple years I'm excited to talk with Ryan again and see how things are going for him these days. So, Ryan, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for having me. How are things for our Canadian correspondent? Uh, I would say the same uh, for for me. The same old, same old. It's it's a lot of um, yeah, just trucking along and collecting where I can and maybe more collecting of some things that I haven't been able to for a while, but, uh, you know, I'm a pretty even keel guy. I don't, I try not to have a lot of ups and downs. So much has changed over these last couple of years since we talked, how has your approach to the hobby changed over these last couple of years or has it changed at all? Oh, it's changed a lot. Um, you know, I, I would say for the last decade or so, I haven't been opening a lot of packs or at least fewer and fewer and fewer. And that's pretty much dried up to none. Um, you know, here in Canada, blasters five years ago used to be about 20 bucks. And that was like across the board. Didn't matter if it was, you know, top series one baseball or prism basketball, everything was like 20 bucks. Now we're up to starting at about 50. And so it's kind of, for me, the opening of packs has gone from this casual, you can just kind of justify it kind of thing, entertainment to 50 bucks. That's like half a week's groceries for the family kind of thing. 
and the quality of what not the quality of the products but because print runs have expanded you're actually getting you're paying way more and you're getting potentially way less you know there's still good things in there but i'm a I'm a, i've always been a worst case scenario kind of guy rip and wax and if i'm comfortable just getting a whole bunch of commons and players that don't excite me that much cool that's when i buy and at 50 dollars, worst case scenario it's it's the balance was off um, so I've shifted more and more into singles, uh, just kind of building the sets that I like, things that catch my eye. Um, if I'm buying new stuff, it's a lot of the online things. I've been building the Star Wars living set from the beginning, for example. So uh, stuff like that and just little things here and there. But a lot of singles, not much new wax, definitely no hobby boxes in a very long time. Any thoughts or tips that this kind of is related to what you mentioned kind of prompted this idea, but with you being from Canada, one of the biggest complaints that I hear from other fellow Canadian collectors are issues with shipping across the border and some of the extra costs that goes with getting cards from the U.S. to Canada. I know there's been a, a few enhancements for some of the different um, marketplaces and platforms that have attempted to maybe help a little bit with that. Is there any particular platform shipping service, you know, shipping consolidation type thing that you've utilized to kind of help offset some of that cost or minimize some of that cross-border extra cost? Yeah, sure. A lot of, I would say a huge percentage of my purchases now are on Comp C. Um, cause I can always, I'll, I'll buy things for six months and then six months take a shipment kind of thing. Once I have two or 300 cards, sure. um, I think sport, you would know more than I would, but I think sport lots is starting something. Uh, it's a platform that I've used minimally, uh, very small purchases that, you know, just slap a PWE on it and away it goes and I'm good that way. I think there are other things out there, um, but I haven't used them myself and I would be cautious just because I don't, if I'm going to have high dollar things sent somewhere, I want, I, I just, I want to know hundred percent certainty that it's good to go and what the costs are and what happens if they disappear. You know, again, it comes back to that worst case scenario. I'm, I'm cautious that way. Uh, I've been using ComC for a decade, over a decade now, and I know what their service is. I know how they work. I know some people who work there. So th that's kind of how I do it myself. Uh, eBay is largely out of the question for me now. It's for bigger purchases that I make very sporadically. Um, I'm used to use it every day. Now it's maybe twice a month, if that. And often some of those are, you know, my daughter buying things and getting them sent up. So it's things where I don't, where it's like, okay, I have to pay $30 in shipping now. It has, there's a threshold there. You're not buying $2 cards to pay $30 in shipping through the international right. program. Uh, if it's a couple hundred dollars, yeah. Or something that's really rare and I'm getting a good price on and I can factor it in. Yeah, sure. But eBay is pretty much out. Um, you know, some stack sales on on Twitter I've found helpful too. Uh, that's kind of a thing. Again, it ha it's usually people that I trust uh, that I've seen on the platform for a long time. Um, but yeah, I would say ComC for me has the the biggest confidence booster, and that's where I'm spending a lot of my money. 
Yeah, it's great with them having the Canadian facility. They're able to kind of ship internally across the border first. Yeah. And then, and then it's more of a within the country transaction by the time it actually goes to you. Yeah, Sportlots has a, a box consolidation service that they do. And I don't know the details because it's more on the, the Canadian customer side. It's not something I as a seller see, but they've got something worked out with uh, stamps.com that has some kind of flat rate kind of importer duty type situation so that it, it has helped them minimize both the shipping cost and some of the potential um, import duty type stuff, I think, with with the Canadian um, orders. So I, I don't know exactly how that works, but they have attempted to do something as well. So but I was just kind of curious because I know that's one of the, the bigger hurdles, especially for lower end cards is... Um, some of the cost to ship across the border. I know a lot of the sport lots orders that I send up there are PWE orders for, you know, three or four or $5 and I can get away with a buck 50 or whatever it is and stamps and, and I haven't really had too many issues. So one of the other questions I had for you is I know you recently attended the industry summit in Las Vegas and I've heard a lot on social media. I didn't get to go this year. I had attended the last two I'd heard a lot on social media about the general vibe of the event, and I was just wondering if if you had any observations about the overall attitude of the attendees or the the general vibe of of what folks were feeling at the event this year. Sure, I, I can do the best that I can. Um, you know, when I go, it's very different because I'm not a dealer, and it's you know it is it is an event made for dealers. Um, you know, that's the primary audience. That's where a lot of the sessions are geared towards. Um, I would say at the start, there was a lot of chit chat over rumors of uh, big industry things that, you know, there've been rumors for a while now. So a lot of people were trying to figure out what was going on with, with those. Um, and whether those were going to happen, as far as I know, when I woke up this morning and into today, it's still all rumors. Um, so there was some of that, but once that kind of subsided, it was a lot of, you know, just very practical sessions for dealers um, where they can get tips on how to improve their businesses. And, you know, I, I, as I mentioned, I didn't go to all of them because I don't have a store and, uh, you know, lots going on. Uh, for me, I think one of the one of the things that I always notice whenever I go to is it's just a chance for people who are in the same industry to get together and chat, um, whether that's chat professionally and share tips or to catch up because you don't often have a chance. If you're going to the national for that, you're often behind a table and it's super busy and hectic and crazy and a grind. Whereas this, I would equate as more to summer camp for card dealers where you get to go and chat, you go sit in the audience together, maybe, you know, have a little quiet whisper, uh, that sort of thing. It's more relaxing in that regard. And then when you go back afterwards, you have hopefully a bucket of tips that you can go and improve your business. In the couple events that I had gone to in the past, uh, the summits that I had attended, it seemed like my observation was that the attendees leaned more towards long-term dealers folks who had been in, in the industry for a while. But as we know, there's been a lot of new breakers, new shops, and new businesses that all kind of started over these last couple of years. Did you get any kind of a sense that there was maybe a greater number of those new entrants in attendance this year as compared to prior years? 
I honestly didn't look too hard uh, in that regard. I did some of the registration booth as people were coming in. Um, You know, I recognize some faces or names and other ones not so much. Um, And then part of it too is if I recognized a name, I might not have triggered. It it was probably like through Twitter or something like that on social where I may have interacted or just know what their business is. Um, I, I think every year there's a mix of new attendees and long timers. Um, yeah, I, I honestly don't know the, definitely some new people, what percentage, I have no clue. Were you there to provide coverage for any particular topics or content areas? Um, I was there just to kind of help out as needed. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of those events where occasionally there'll be, there'll be content to be had. Um, but I think a lot of it is really for the stuff that I do, the audience is the collector, whereas the things that are going on at this event are so strictly dealer focused. Um, you know, it it doesn't really, I don't think it speaks to the audience too much, at least that I'm, I'm writing to, if you're, you know, wanting to write to help dealers out, absolutely tons of content there, but the, with the amount of hours that I have or lack thereof, I kind of, I I choose to focus on the end collector and come up with things that way. So did I come, did I write a lot? No. Did I put some ideas in my back pocket? Maybe that might come out later on. Um, But yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't as newsworthy as people were expecting, I think. And if it was newsworthy, it was all going to be based on one or two things and those still haven't happened yet. Did you attend the card show portion of the event kind of prior to the official summit kicking off? Uh, I walked the room. I think I spent about 10 minutes in there because I was helping out with getting people registered for the summit or um, attendance for the card show. So it was it was pretty quiet. Um, And it was I may have spent more time in there, but it was very much a modern card show. Mm. Um, You know, a lot of modern stuff a lot of very high priced modern stuff. Uh, so it was kind of like, yeah, I see what they have there. Cool. Stop, pause, look at it, admire it, and then move on. Cause I'm not there to drop tens of thousands of dollars, especially us dollars as our Canadian dollar continues to plummet. Yep. Yep. I was wondering kind of how, how that went this year, if you had a chance to, to see anything or, or find anything in your niche, but, but it sounds like it was a little of a different focus, a little on the, on the higher end side of things. We've seen what seems to be an increasing interest in non-sports over these last couple of years. You know, we had Marvel's had a resurgence. There seems to be a growing interest in some of the original series of GPK, Garbage Pail Kids, the original Star Wars sets are growing in popularity, and especially it seems like over this last summer, Stranger Things seems to have really taken off too. Those first couple Stranger Things sets. What's the conversation been like at Beckett on maybe how to approach this non-sports segment in the current environment? Oh gosh, um, I I don't know if there's been a conversation at least in in my circle. Um, but, but it's something that I've always been passionate about, and it's one of my collecting focuses. Uh, so I've certainly noticed it. Uh, Marvel, for sure, that's the one that uh, I've noticed the most. 
it, it's always been at the forefront, I would say, with Star Wars as far as that corner of the hobby. Um, but seeing the huge amounts on the precious metal gems, uh, the ones that I don't understand are the graded base cards of like 1990. You, even the exploded values of 1990 Marvel um, didn't, I, I get it, cool set, love it. One of, very important actually in a lot of ways, printed to everything else that came out in 1990. There's so much of it out there, um, but people were going back and buying things that they enjoyed. I, I don't know the reasoning behind it. Um, if you're not typically a Marvel collector and you want to spend $30 on a Wolverine or a Spider-Man, that's just a cool piece that I get. Um, it got kind of crazy. I, I think like sports, it's starting to settle down a little bit, but it has opened up a whole new market. Uh, the high end has definitely, I think that's kind of where the biggest emergence has been is on the high end of the comic stuff. Uh, for Upper Deck with Marvel, the movie stuff has always been, you know, the autographs, they've had a lot of big names. So there's always been big prices, but, you know, like I mentioned, the precious metal gem, some of the rarer inserts, numbered stuff, that's really taken off, I think, in the last year. Has this run impacted your personal non-sport focuses at all? Um, somewhat. I was actually just looking at Stranger Things this weekend. Uh, I've enjoyed collecting Stranger Things and trying to get some of the autographs. Uh, have a few missing that that I'd like to get. And I noticed on ComC, even the common signers are like $50 and up now that were at 1.5 or 10. Yep. Uh, so some of those holes might have to go. Luckily, I, I filled most of them in and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll even brag a little bit. My biggest pull was in a pack of Stranger Things where I got a triple autograph of 11 uh, Finn Wolfhand and David Harbour. It's I amazing. Think probably the one of one version would be the best Stranger Things card ever made, but mine's out of three. So I guess it's the second best in, in, in my opinion. Uh, so I've still got that. So I've got the key autographs down um and i picked up i picked up a dustin that was the last one that uh that i got a few months ago so it's good but and then star wars you know i think sapphire was a huge thing uh chrome chrome galaxy was was a big one as well and we'll see with the new set coming out later this year of the chrome galaxy if it can continue um some of it is one of those it doesn't make sense Kind of things like the the kurosawa card great looking card why it should be selling for 20 times over the regular one um why isn't it drawing attention towards the non-chrome versions of these cards that came out you know years ago i'm not sure um but they look cool i've been picking up a few i actually found myself collecting the insert set from the last chrome galaxy of the toy packaging. It seemed kind of corny when I saw it at first, but then I grabbed one and I'm like, these are actually kind of fun. And it's a Star Wars card that I don't have, like they're different. After 40 plus years, 45 years now, of continuous Star Wars cards, it's really hard to find something original. So I thought they were original and kind of cool, so. Yeah, I thought that insert set was was pretty neat. I was a fan of the the Mandalorian release as it was kind of a, a, a kind of a fresh take on that. 
but I had a lot of fun this last year, finally completing the original vintage run of all the star Wars series, all the empire strikes back and all the return of the Jedi original uh, series. And so I was finally able to put that together. Some of them in fairly rough shape. They're not all, they're not all mint, but I, I had a lot of fun tracking those down and found a ton at this fairly for for non-sports it's a large non-sports show in in the chicago area that's that's twice a year so i went up there and and there's a few of those dealers that have just monster box after monster box of every non-sport release that you could imagine and so I, i was able to just pick out all of the the missing pieces of those star wars sets that i needed so i had a lot of fun putting that one together did you binder them up I did. Yep. I've got them all look, in a, in a binder. And yep. Yep. I might have to hit you up for, I need a few more uh, Empire Strikes Back stickers and then I'll be done. They've proven to be hard to find for me for some reason. So I'm getting close. I, I had Star Wars and Jedi done like years ago, but I've been plugging away at Empire Strikes Back for a while now. And yeah, let, let me know. And, and I can do that. I, I found a I, I should say the cards are what I have the full run of. I'm still working on the sticker sets. So okay. I'm, I'm still filling holes on stickers, but I did find a couple large lots of Empire and Return of the Jedi stickers on eBay that I picked up. So I've got quite a few duplicates of of some of those. And so let me, we'll, we'll talk after afterwards Sounds and you good. can let me know which ones you're you're needing. We might be able to fill some ho- some holes there. One of the other things, you know, I, I mentioned buying the large lot on eBay. I mentioned having access to these monster boxes full of non-sports when I went to the physical non-sports show. One of the challenges that I found for the non-sports that I was interested in are filling in some of those base stickers mm-hmm. and inserts and base cards for these non-sports because they typically, like a sports common, don't have a lot of value and don't make sense to send into com c or to list for two dollars or whatever on ebay sport lots has recently started to offer the ability to sell non-sports and and buy non-sports through their their marketplace you know and there's a few other marketplaces that do that i was wondering if you had any any thoughts on maybe how additional marketplaces potentially offering some of these non-sports cards or cards in a certain segment impact the popularity of that segment you know is there a chance that as we see more people potentially offering or finding ways to offer these base and inserts on a platform if that might help increase the popularity of that segment i think it would for sure um you know with with non-sport i think other than the growth of like marvel and a few other of those marquee segments I think the biggest change has been uh, you've seen single non-sport cards, uh, just like base commons grow in interest. I don't want to use the term rookie card because that gets weird. I, I always use like air quotes around it. Um, but some sets have like just really cool cards that are now commanding a premium. I think it started with largely with uh, Luke Skywalker number one and 77 Star Wars, but I see it going to all other places. And now as I'm digging through boxes and looking through sets, I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. And I just set it aside for myself. You know, I'm not about to, you know, go and pump it as something that it isn't. Um, But there are singles out there. Uh, Access is key. If, you know, you can give reasonable priced access to things, you're going to open up a whole another market where people are going to go in and fill those sets that they'd started 
or maybe just started in the first place. Um, because with non-sport, there's so much variety. That's what I love about it is pretty much any movie, TV show, um, some music. I think that's the, that's another conversation. That's where things have been overlooked for years. There's something out there, even if it's not connected to that show or movie, maybe there's a celebrity set or the main star from that movie is in this set over here, stuff like that. Uh, so having a reasonably priced marketplace with the uh, the quantity needed, I think would, I, I know I'd use it because, you know, I, I love ComC, I love building sets. I'm not paying $3 for a common, you know, non-sport card just because that's the only person who has a copy or three people and they're like, well, this guy has it for five bucks, so I'll lower mine down to 450. Well, he's 450, I'll go down to four. Uh, it's, it's a 50 cent card. I'll, I'll pay 50, even if I'm close to finishing the set, I might pay a couple dollars just to knock it off, but um, exposure is gonna be key. And if Sport Lot can do it, Sport Lots can do it, I'll be there You know, myself figuring out the Canadian box to, yeah, to fill the sets that I have. You'll have to check it out on on the last episode of the show. I had the owner on and he was kind of talking about that. And within the first two weeks now that that's gone live, they've got over 100,000 non-sports listed already um, nice. in the first two weeks. And so you'll have to check that out and and see. I'm, I'm interested to see how well it does. I know it's been it's gone well for me uh, so far here, even within the the first few weeks. And so I, I was excited to see that I'd been just kind of saving these boxes of non-sports base off to the side, just waiting for an opportunity to find a place to to do something with that and get them in the hands of other collectors who are, who are looking to fill some sets. Well, before we go, I know I always like to give an opportunity for folks to shout out maybe some, some things that they're on the hunt for some, some key pieces for their collection that they've been trying to track down, whether it's just a, a couple random base or insert cards that you've not been able to find, or whether it's something more significant, just in case somebody out there listening knows of where one of those might be available. Anything that you'd like to kind of shout out there that you've been on the hunt for? Oh, let's see here. I'm going to go to my list. I wasn't prepared for this. Um, I just got to keep you on your toes, you know? Absolutely. And I like to have a good answer. Uh, you know, I, I've been working on an Elf Opeechee set for a while now. So if anyone has comments from Elf Opeechee Series 2, not, not Series 1, not Tops, Series 2, I uh, looks like I'm about halfway done that set. It hasn't been one that I've been, you know, looking super closely for because Opeechee, when you talk about non-sport commons being kind of hard to find, now flip it to Opeechee, it's, it's even trickier, even here in Canada of all places. I should be able to walk into a store and find them, but now nah, they were at the corner store and that was it. So ALF Series 2 Opeechee. ALF Series 2 Opeechee. Okay, so if anybody out there has those, where can they get in touch with you? Uh, Twitter's the easiest way at Trader Cracks. Um, you know, I, I grew up, came online to trade. So that's where the trader come from. And my last name's Cracknell. So Trader Cracks is what I adopted in like 1990 something. And I, I'm, I don't really know branding too much, but it seems like one of those things that it's been around too long to change. So at Trader Cracks on Twitter. 
There you go. Well, if anybody out there has some of those ALF Series 2 Opeaches, get a hold of Ryan and let him know. Well, Ryan, I appreciate you coming on today, talking a little bit about the Industry Summit, talking a little bit about non-sports. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. Like the athletes we admire, the sports card shop is changing the game. We're not launching threes, bombing drives, or hitting dingers, but we have built a unique gathering spot for all collectors to trade cards, talk sports, play games, and watch their favorite athletes on the big screens. Yes, we've partnered with Panini, Upper Deck, Leaf, Tops, Fanatics, Pokemon, and others to bring you all the latest in sealed wax and singles. But the sports card shop in New Buffalo, Michigan is much, much more. Our recent expansion brings collectible sneakers, Hot Wheels, and more sports and entertainment memorabilia into the mix. Our new Collector's Cave Game Room is the perfect place to throw a rip party, bring friends, rip packs, trade cards, play billiards, ping pong, shuffleboard, classic arcade, and Xbox games, all while watching your favorite sport on TV. Visit us at thesportscardshop.com. Follow us on social at underscore sports card shop or better yet, visit us in person to learn about special events, party packages, new products and everything we're doing for you. The Sports Card Shop, connecting people, sports and the hobby around the world. I always love catching up with Ryan and I appreciate him spending a few minutes with us today talking about this hobby we love. Let me know what you think. Reach out to me on Twitter at TheMikeSummer. Send me an email at WaxPackHero at gmail.com. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at WaxPackHero. I want to know what you think about this show and other shows. And if you've got any ideas for topics you want to learn more about, just let me know. Well, that is all I have for you today. So I'll catch you next time.